we have been in this series about family issues. I would encourage you, if you've missed any of them, to go back and, and watch the first two weeks. We've dealt with some pretty heavy stuff like generational trauma and resentment and forgiveness, uh, some painful things. And I think, you know, as we started this service with some of the painful things in our world, we know that, that pain and beauty are always kind of close together. And so it doesn't seem... Uh, like, it doesn't make sense to me to talk about the painful things, but to also talk about a Disney movie. I think pain and beauty often uh, go really close together. Uh, so this weekend, our movie actually is about that, about pain and, and joy and beauty being tied together in the same place, and how the curse and the blessing are sometimes held in the exact same hand. Uh, I, I really love the movie we're about to talk about, so I wanted you to get just a feel of it if you don't have children under the age of 25 who watched it. Um, <laughs> Here's just a feel of Encanto. Coffee's for grown-ups. Might be a bad mom, her mood affects the weather. When she's unhappy, well, the temperature gets weird. Might be a Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. They say he saw the future. One day he disappeared. Oh, and that's why mom Vietta hears her deal. Whoa, the truth is she can heal you with a meal. Whoa, recipes are remedies for real. If you're impressed, imagine how I feel, mom. I'm not going to lie, I wanted it to just keep going. Um, I'm sure you did too. That would be more fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I can't encourage you enough, if you haven't seen it, uh, to join us uh, next week, next Sunday night, June 5th. Uh, we're going to be playing it. That's, I don't know if we figured out somewhere outside. If it's nice night, we're going to play it out there. Uh, I, I, every once in a while on a Saturday morning, I like to time travel which means I like to pretend like I'm a child on Saturday morning and watch animated things. Uh, and so not too long ago, I chose Encanto and I pulled up the Disney Plus and I like made cinnamon rolls because that was like my comfort food when I was a little kid on Saturday mornings. This was in the winter, I think there was another 10 inch snowstorm outside and I thought I need cinnamon rolls and cartoons. And so I sit down with cinnamon rolls and cartoons and pretty soon into the movie, I was just weeping. <laughs> I, if, if you know, then you know. If you've seen it, you know. It wasn't too far into the movie that I was, I was crying so, so very much. It looks colorful and fun, right? But it's actually about pain. And it's about this family, the Madrigals, who you heard, who have this, this family blessing, this flame that they have to keep alive. And every member of the family goes to a magic door. And they has a rite of passage in the family. They stand at the door and they find out what their special gift is. And every member of this family has something that they can do that's extraordinary that they then use to serve the community. So you saw there's, there's uh, one member of the family, the one who can, is really strong. There's one who can grow plants, who has a really green thumb. There's one who has super hearing. Uh, there's Antonio, who's the cutest thing Disney's ever made, who can talk to animals. He's the one who talks to animals, right? And everybody finds out which one they are. 
And then young Mirabelle steps up to the door and she doesn't get a gift. And it causes this crisis in the family, right? Maybe our flame is going to go out. Uh, maybe, maybe the magic is gone. Maybe the enchantment is gone. Uh, I, I love this movie because it deal, that's like my, I, it, it speaks in so many languages to me, except for Spanish, which I took four years and couldn't remember any of it. That's uh, the thing I learned while I watched Encanto. But uh, one of the interesting things about this Disney movie is that, spoiler alert, but there's not really a villain. There's not like a monster. It really is just a family story. But for a part of the family, you're made to think that Bruno is a villain. And if you have children under the age of 25, you know that that song is the villain, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I snuck, the, I don't know, if you don't know, there's this song that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote that the kids love that's about deep pain and family ghost, and they sing it at the top of their lungs because they don't know that it's about really dark things. Um, so I, I snuck back into Southport Kids, and we played it for one of the classrooms, and I just want you to see what happens when you play We Don't Talk About Bruno in a classroom full of children. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they sing that loud about Jesus, but they definitely sing real loud about Bruno. Um, I just think it's so funny because the song is about like those people in the family that have been cast out, right? Like imagine them singing like, we don't talk about Uncle Bob, right? Like, it's so, nobody talk about Cousin Renee, right? Like that's the thing. But they're singing it and it's full of joy and they dance to it. And, and you should definitely join us on June 5th if you don't know about Bruno. Now, I want us to just talk for a little bit. There were so many things that it was like, possibilities to go talking about this together this weekend, this conversation, and, and especially if you come with your kids, I think there's a lot of things that you could talk to them about after this movie, like what their gifts are and, you know, what our family story is and all the special things you see, and then there, there's so much to talk about uh, with this movie. Uh, one of the things I thought we could talk about, I do think family is magic in that family allows you to time travel. Have you ever experienced that thing where you think you're a grown adult? and then you get in the presence of your parents or your grandparents. And it's like this magical thing where you transform, you shape shift, and all of a sudden you're just a, a child. Uh, I had this not too long ago. I was in this delicate space with my parents where they, were both, they both had sicknesses and I was stepping into a caregiving role with them. And so much so that I was giving up my car. I had a little coupe car that was two doors and was not useful for taking them to the doctor or whatever. So I, I traded in my little coupe, tiny car, uh, for uh, like an SUV that they could get into and out of. And we're in this delicate space where we're changing roles. And I pull up to their house and I decide, oh, it's better if I back in because they can get in easier. And, but I'm used to having a tiny coupe car, so I'm backing up into their driveway and I hear, you know the noise that I heard. <laughs> and there's nothing like it, but you know that noise that I heard. And I, I straighten out and I get out and I don't check my car, I just check their their deck, they have like a wooden deck that's their front porch, and there's no damage to the deck. So I'm like, we're fine, they can't hear anything, it's great. <laughs> so I go inside, we're talking, everything's fine, we get, we get out, we get ready to go out to lunch, and we come out, first thing my dad says, what happened to your car? <laughs> and I realize, oh, I, I did a big dent in the car, and I, I just need to tell you, confess to you, I lied. <laughs> 
Like immediately, like my first inclination was, I don't, somebody at the parking garage must have hit me. <laughs> and like, I, I don't even know why. Like my dad is not, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't have grounded me or anything. Like I literally got a car for them. Like he's not gonna get mad at me, but I just felt myself transform, like and shrink into a 16 year old new driver. And I don't know like if he knew, but he would bring it up like every once in a while. He'd be like, I just, I still can't believe somebody did that to your brand new car. And I'd be like, I, yeah, I can't believe it either. I would just, I just lied for like a year and I never told him. And, and I, you know, he's in heaven now and maybe he's listening. I don't know how the mechanics work, but now he knows. And I, I just say that because you know it, right? And it's not just the silly things. It's like you, no matter how much you think you've grown and matured, you go back home and you're a child, right? And it's true in a lot of ways. If you played a certain role with a group of people, then you go away, you grow, you think you're coming back, change. No, you, what happens? We slip right back in. And so there's all this time traveling that's possible when we're, when we're with the family. There's all that magic of time travel. Also, I think time travel happens because we can suddenly, in our families, we can think about the future in ways that we didn't think about it before, right? There's nothing like having a child that suddenly makes you imagine 30 more years out, right? Or maybe having a grandkid. Maybe you didn't think about the 2050s, but now you have a grandkid, so you start to think about what are the 2050s going to be like? And and family allows us to time travel. Maybe you even project. I have a friend who, she said, you know what? When she had her first kid, she said, I don't get to decide whether or not my kids are going to go to therapy, but I get to determine what they go for right? There's something about having like a next generation that you start to think more about the consequences of your behavior. Family allows for time travel. There's also, I think we would agree that there is a a magic to families that's just about belonging, right? That some of us feel strengthened by belonging to a family. Uh, My friend Rachel posted on Mother's Day, she said that her mom is the only person in the world who cares about her Wordle score, right? And that's just true. I don't, if you post your Wordle score every day, I just want you to know your mom's the only one who cares about your Wordle score every day. And I think what she was expressing is this truth, right? That, that family, there's a magic to just being a part of it uh, that hopefully we've got to know in some way. Now, it's worth saying, I come to this weekend very aware of the way pain and beauty uh, go together. If I've told this story in, in different spaces. I I grew up with a sister who died in her early 30s. Uh, My parents actually had another child who only lived a week, uh, and then they had to uh, bury her. She just didn't live very long. That was just a couple years before they had me. Uh, And then back in 2020, uh, both my parents died over the summer, uh, not to COVID, but just to the other kinds of awfulness uh, that can befall uh, people. And so I cried out in in Kanto, right? It makes perfect sense. And so I come to this from maybe a different angle from, uh, but I think it's still the same with Encanto as our starting point. I just want us to think together about roles and rules. Is there someone you were in your family of origin? You were the one who, right? And maybe there wasn't like a magical rite of passage where you stood at the door and you grabbed for the knob to see what your magical gift was from the eternal flame of magic. But maybe you picked up on, oh, I am the one who, I am the one who makes everybody laugh. 
I am the one who tries to make peace. I am the one who will succeed and get us out of here. I am the one who's the favorite. I am the one who's not the favorite. Do you know the, the we talk about family systems uh, in here once in a while. Charlie will bring in Dr. Sweeten. We'll talk about family system stuff. And uh, I, I pay a lot of attention to family system stuff. I feel like it helps us solve family puzzles. And I was just reading some family system stuff that said parents often, whatever their sibling order was, they identify more with that kid. So if you're... If you're a parent and you were the oldest kid, you might like the oldest kid a little better. If you were the younger, freewheeling, carefree, nothing sticks to me kid, you might like that kid better. My mom was, uh, she had a sister, so she was one of two daughters. She had, we had, there were two of us daughters. She would call me her sister's name sometimes because we were so intertangled in her head that she was the older sister for the rest of her life. She was the one who defended and protected her little sister. Were you the one who? We love typing systems, right? We love, we love this kind of organization. So the magical, the family magicals is a very familiar story frame to us. Uh, we love to pick out which golden girl are you? I am the one who, right? I'm Betty White, right? Which one are you? Which member of One Direction are you? I don't, that's a band, right? I think that's a band. Uh, we love typing systems. We use the, the Enneagram around here as a typing system. It's, it's a personality thing that can help us just give words to what it feels like to be people together. And uh, I heard an Enneagram expert say that a lot of what that personality is built around is what did you do to feel loved in your first family? Did you do the right thing to feel loved? Were you creative to get loved? Were you, did you serve other people to get loved? That all of that is built into our personality, into who we are. These roles and these rules that we played are still a part of our life today. One of the, the principles of these family systems theories is homeostasis. Did you guys learn that in sixth grade science? Anybody know that word, homeostasis, right? It means balance. It means a system where everybody knows the roles and the rules. And it can be incredibly dysfunctional, but there's clarity, right? You can have an incredibly dysfunctional family that has achieved homeostasis. Because all homeostasis means is, oh, we all know what role we play, even if we're the one who keeps causing trouble, <laughs> right? At least there's clarity. And so what happens in systems is that everybody wants homeostasis. Everybody wants things to kind of stay balanced and stay stable. And so even if that means bad rules we're following and bad roles we've taken on, we'll stay in them for the sake of keeping. Anybody live in this, feel this? You know this is true with that before you even knew the scientific word for it? I don't know about your family. Maybe you don't have live, laugh, love on your kitchen. Maybe you have fight, fracture, find fault, right? <laughs> Those are your family rules. But everybody knows those rules. So there's balance there. I want you to just think about who have you been in your first family or when you've stood at different doors in your life, what was the, the gift given to you? I am the one who. Because I have two truths for us today. Because I don't know you, I don't know all your lives. So you might need one of two different truths and uh, they're both true, so that's the good news today. One, whatever role you played, you get to play that role forever. Number two, you don't have to play that role forever. 
And I want us to hear both of those truths together. Let's deal with number one first. Because maybe in your family of origin, maybe you were given gifts, strengths. You were given a blessing. You were given a mission. Maybe when you think back, you felt mercy and provision and love. Maybe you felt like you belonged and you were made strong in your family, and that doesn't mean it was perfect, but maybe there were moments that felt enchanted and magical. Maybe your balance was a good balance, and you were given things that give you a mission that you should play. You should be the one who forever, right? Maybe that can be a beautiful, good thing. It's not perfect, but it's a mission and a blessing, whatever your first family gave you. If you stand at the door, there might be something that you have that needs to be given away to the rest of the world. One of the things I did after my parents died is to just to have to deal with their house. And my parents did a lot of things for 50 years in a row. Uh, they went to the same church for 50 years. My dad worked at his job for 50 years, and they lived in this house for 50 years. And so one of the things I did the day that I had to hand over the keys to the door is I just walked through the house. And I, I basically took an inventory of what I was given in this casita, in this magical house. And I, and I walked from room to room, right? And I went in the kitchen and I thought about all the times when our family used to do this thing where if we had baked potatoes in foil wrapping, we played basketball into the sink. I didn't, I thought that was a thing everybody did. I don't know, that was a gift I was given, right? I was also given the gift that my mom just let me eat peanut butter sandwiches every time I wanted to. Right? I stood in the kitchen and just well, thank God for that. Right? And I, I walked down the hall and I saw the bedroom where my sister learned to play guitar. And then I saw my room that was smaller. <laughs> and I thought about me being in my room trying to sing like Whitney Houston and my sister knocking on the door and telling me, stop it, I don't sound like Whitney Houston. <laughs> that was a gift I was given. Right? And I thought about you know, my parents' room and and I thought about how often they, they were fighters, like they could fight. But at the end of the day, I would always hear them laughing. Like that was a gift I was given, is that you could you'd have to go at each other and work it out. But at the end of the day, you laugh together is a gift that I was given in their house. Uh, it had certainly become a place of pain, too. It was in that house, in that living room, uh, where I sat with my mom when we found out my sister's cancer was not going to go away, right? And I had to sit with my mom who's thinking God has cursed her to take these daughters from her, right? And I had to sit with my mom in that. And then in the last few years, my dad lost his breath. My mom lost his name. And it all happened uh, in that house. And as I thought about handing over the keys and all the things that had happened there, the, the small things, I just want you to know, I'm telling you about the foil on the baked potato because every little thing matters. And I wish it wasn't like a thing you can only see afterwards. I, I sit across the table from friends all the time who are struggling with their, their parents or struggling with their kids or struggling with siblings, struggling with aunts and uncles, cousins, and I just went, it will all be lost. But I can't tell you till you know it, right? And some of you know it. You know it's only magic and grace on the other side of it. What a gift it could be if right now we could see every little thing matter. We were trying to go through stuff, and I had a friend helping me go through all the stuff. And she was super efficient, so I'd be super efficient. We're going through all the stuff. And one day, it was like the end, it was like 5 o'clock at night. She's getting ready to leave. She pulls out a trash can. 
from the, it had to be from the 70s. It was like fake wood panel. It was just a 70s trash can. And I started crying at the trash can because every little stinking thing mattered. And I tell you that because I just think, what if it's true right now? What if it's true in your house? What if it's true in your work? What if it's true in your school, in your neighborhood? What if, what if this whole world is more enchanted and has more magic and meaning than our imaginations can handle? And what if every single beautiful, painful thing you were given in your house of origin is meant to be given away? Whatever you were given, you get to play that role forever. For some of you, that is good news. Now let's go to number two, because some of you were given a role and rules that you don't have to stay in forever. And that's the good news to you. Maybe you feel trapped in some of these roles. I want us to, to just spend a little bit of time with this, this weird little story in John 3. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite stories. I don't know, probably because it happens in the middle of the night, and there's not that many Bible stories that are like the Bible after dark, and this is like a Bible after dark story. And Nicodemus is this teacher, this Pharisee. He loves rules and roles, right? Nicodemus in his family was probably the one who followed all the rules and probably the one who asked his parents a thousand questions and annoyed everybody and got all the good grades and all that stuff. Nicodemus is that guy. And he comes to Jesus at night and Jesus agrees to meet with him and talk about truth uh, by the moonlight. And they have this, this conversation that has all kinds of implications for us. We've maybe heard it, we've maybe heard it abused. I just want us to sit with it a little bit. Nicodemus comes and he's, it's as if he's at the door with Jesus, right? He's saying, how can I belong to the family, to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God? And I don't know, do you remember what Jesus says to him? He says, you have to be, you have to be reborn, is what Jesus says. And that's like a thing that people yell at festivals and stuff, like that born again idea has been, like I said, it's been used and abused, it's been shouted at people, it's, it's been quote marks, it's been put around, it's been capitalized, it's, it's become like a painful thing, born again, right? And, but just sit with that, like Jesus says, you gotta be born again. And Nicodemus asked the weirdest question you could have possibly asked. He basically is like, I don't think my mom's gonna like that. <laughs> like, I mean, he gets real literal about it because he's the one who takes everything literally. And he says, do I have to like get my mom? That's like, how am I supposed to, I don't think I can get up there. And <laughs> that's how weird he makes it. It's in there, John 3. I'm not trying to make it weird. Nicodemus made it weird. And Jesus says, I, you're the one who doesn't get it. I guess, is who you are right now. Because he says, no, what I mean by this is that you have to be born of water, that you have to be washed in grace, and you have to be born of the Spirit. So the Spirit of God needs to kind of come over you. And I also, I look at this story, and I just want to sit with that metaphor because what I think is happening there is that maybe Jesus understands what it means to be a person. There's a good chance that what he's saying there is because he understands attachment theory. He understands family systems theory. He understands that some families have anger and addiction issues running through their blood. And so what he says to Nicodemus is I want you to hear that it is possible to be reborn. 
to belong to a, a wider, wilder family. That whatever role or rule you've been following, Nicodemus, can be changed. And maybe that sounds too like magical, too disnified, but the scientists say it's true. The family systems people say it is inc- it's totally possible. Even families who are stuck in that homeostasis, we all know the rules, we all play our roles, everybody does the same stuff all the time. The family system scientists say Jesus is right, that you can be born again. That a person, that a family, that a system, that a country could be born again. Could be washed in the water of grace and in the spirit of God. Change is possible. What they say, though, is that those changes are most likely to happen in a crisis. That a crisis unlocks the rules and the roles. It opens that door. And some of you already know this, right? Because your family has faced a diagnosis and all of a sudden everybody's roles shift. You have a divorce and suddenly you have to play different roles to each other. All the rules change and it opens the door for, for you to become a new and different functioning kind of person. What I watched happen in my family is all these things that I went my whole life saying, I am the one who, my mom is the one who, and my dad is the one who. And what happened when they got sick is that we all got new jobs. Everybody got new roles. Then my dad, who was grumpy all his life, became as like calm and gentle as he could have been. That my mom, who was always anxious and always trying to fix everything and put everything back at the end of the night, became content. And that I, who was the younger, freewheeling, carefree, troublemaker, I was now the caretaker. And it was, it was possible. Change was possible. I don't know if you experienced the news this week and you just thought nothing will change. Nothing will change. Maybe you look at yourself and say, I am the one who. I'm on the side of. This is what I believe about. In a crisis, there is room for change. What I want us to hear, too, is that grace is, in fact, a crisis sometimes. That grace can be a disruption. And I go back to a, a verse all the time uh, that comes from Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church. If you need a beach read, I highly encourage First and Second Corinthians. They go great with beaches. <laughs> Uh, but this is 2 Corinthians 12.9. Um, it just says, my, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, in your crisis, in your moment when you don't think change is possible, when you are stuck in your role. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, he says, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. We are tempted to just play that one role for our rest of our lives. Maybe that's a mission and a blessing, but maybe it needs to be changed. I want all of us to just imagine ourselves at the door. What beautiful, painful things have you been given by those who love you? And what could you give the world because of that? What in you needs to be multiplied? And what in you needs to be destroyed and renovated and born again of water and spirit? I believe all of it is grace.
Let's pray together. God, you tell us to ask and seek and knock. We think right now of the homes we belong to, of the rooms we've spent time in. God, we thank you for whatever good gift came to us. And God, we bring to your door the painful things that happen to us. God, would you right now speak truth over every person here? Help them to know what it means to belong to you. God, help us to see what more grace could do in this world. Help us to walk in the power that can only come when we lay ourselves down for you. God, we come to this table for time traveling. Help us at this table to embrace this ancient grace that can be made new in our bodies today. In Jesus' name we pray together, amen.